On this episode of Not A Status Quo Podcast, we discuss the troubles in Houston and what exactly is cultural fit. Welcome to another episode of Not A Status Quo Podcast. I'm your host, Nisha, and as always, we have a great show for you today. Shannon and Tiffany are joining me once again. How are you guys doing? Great! Doing awesome! That's always great to hear. Well, we have a lot to discuss, so let's get into it. As you guys know, there has been a lot of changes. We have a new president. I think we do. Maybe? Possibly. Possibly? Most likely. Almost. Kind of, sort of. Could be, could not be. All I'll just say is that it felt like the past like couple of days felt like I was watching a, a seven-game series. It That's felt like the Golden State Cavaliers <laughs> series. I think it's more like the longest tennis match that ever took place that, you know, was 11 out. That's, I feel like it's more on that level. I can see that. We're waiting on that 11th hour to, to, to get here so we can uh, find out who the winner is. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) The 11th hour. I don't know. We'll see who wins. Another thing that has taken place is there's congratulations in order because Sue Bird and Megan Rapino are now engaged. Congratulations to them. Were you guys surprised? No. I wasn't either. I actually I actually called it right when they won the WNBA championship because it dawned on me that Megan had been in that bubble, a wobble, this entire time. Yep. And now if you can stay with somebody, they're in there for like what, three months? Mm-hmm. And they couldn't go anywhere. Right. That's love. It is. I would have went crazy. <laughs> Yeah, and I read, I read an article and she's saying they were sharing, having to share clothes um, because they didn't have that much space. So they shared clothes, but they had their own shoes. So, yeah, if you can imagine having to be confined to a small space. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. So that was marriage written all over it. Just needed a ring to put on a finger. <laughs> but congratulations to all of them. Uh, another a big announcement that took place a couple of days ago is the NBA is officially returning on December 22nd. So that means that we will have basketball for Christmas. However, this is now the second shortest season off season for basketball. I think it's around 71 to 72 games or days. Sorry, not games. Days off. I guess my question is, how do you guys think that's going to affect them coming back? Will they be in shape? Will people get hurt a little bit more? Will more people rest? What do you guys think? I can definitely see a lot of a lot more injuries. We're seeing it in the NFL now and the way that things are set up. They they have the seasons the way that they are for a reason. It gives the players the amount of time needed for rest, recovery, as well as training and getting ready for the new season. So I can definitely see that happening. I hope and pray for the best. And that's all we can do. Yeah, I, I agree. Again, you see it a lot, especially with the amount of injuries in a condensed season, season, as well as having not having a long off season to prep. My analogy, of course, is WNBA, where you have players they finish the WNBA and they go right overseas, and then they play overseas, and then they the WNBA preseason starts, training camp starts mid May, and you have people showing up off the plane starting the season and then you have more injuries and things of that nature. So that is something to to be concerned about. And hopefully there are not very many injuries. They still have 
way more time to recuperate than than the women do. So we'll see. I always used to talk about how people used to show up late to training camp from the WNBA. Makes sense now. They just needed some rest. Another change that took place is that the 76ers now have a new GM. And that GM is Daryl Morey. Now, for those of you who do not know, Daryl Morey used to be the GM of the Houston Rockets. And when he stepped down as our GM, he stated that it was because he wanted to spend more time with his family. I want to say maybe 30 days later, he was now the GM of the 76ers. I will say this. I think he left mainly because him and Tim are not getting along. And you could kind of see that. And we'll talk about this more in regards to the Rockets. But I think Tim is going to is playing a really big part in not only the GM situation, but the roster situation when it comes down to the Rockets. Now that the 76ers have a GM, do you guys think that their team will be better or worse with him on board? Well, I think that, um, you know, immediate, immediately there won't be it'll be difficult to kind of gauge him. But once he's able to get the, the players in that he wants and how the direction that he wants to take the team, I think they'll they'll be better. I mean, he was able to turn the Rockets organization around. So I do think he'll be able to take the 76ers to the next level, so to speak. I will say that he is a good GM. I didn't necessarily agree with everything. He kind of frustrated me a lot because I felt like at times, we had momentum and maybe just needed a, a few tweaks. He would really kind of blow up the team in a sense, instead of like the core. So, and I always felt that he made the right trade in order to keep his job in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he has a lot of talent to, to a lot of talent to work with. Uh, you know, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are very young. So you have a, a lot of time to really make those trades. And he's, he's a very aggressive guy. He makes a lot of trades. So I definitely think that, if you are not named Ben Simmons and you may not be a 76er for long. All right. Another change that has been going on is that there are now new NBA coaches. So as right now, Steve Nash, who we talked about in an earlier episode, is the coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Billy Donovan is the coach of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Steven Silas is now the coach of the Houston Rockets. Nate Bort. We're just going to call him Nate B. He's the Indiana Pacers coach. Tyron Liu is the LA Clippers coach. Who else? You got Doc Rivers is the Clippers coach. And the Thunder just promoted their assistant. I think his name is Mike something. Mike, I'm going to call him Mike B because his, his last name, I'm not about to butcher that man's name. There was uh, another podcaster. He asked the question, how long do you think Tyron Liu will last as the Lakers coach? He, because he has a five-year deal, the same as Doc Rivers. They both have a five-year deal. So my response to his question was, by year three, the Clippers have to make it to the NBA Finals, at least. If they don't, then I think that Tyron Lue will be no longer the the LA Clippers coach. What do you guys think about that? Do you think that that's a fair shake for a coach like that? Or do you think personnel plays a part in it? Because as we all know, the Clippers were very fatigued. They lost a series that many believe that they should have won. And it kind of begs the question exactly like, why were you fatigued? Why were you out of sync in a sense? You weren't traveling. You were in this one location. You know, the strains of, of what the playoffs bring were not that high, and yet you still lost. So do you think that's a fair assessment to give that man three years? Or do you think it's a fair assessment if you get him the right 
the right players in a sense. I'm going to generalize my statement here. If 2020 did not happen the way that it happened, I would say this. You need the right players in the right position as well as the right staffing in the right areas of expertise. Just generally speaking, that's how championships are made. When everybody is playing in their quote-unquote zone of genius. That, that's my answer. Okay. What about you, Tiffany? I, I do think it's a fair assessment. You have to, when you're coaching for a, a, a organization that's, I think, you know, three years is probably the baseline. And when you... Uh, after three years, if they haven't, you know, uh, won or at least competed for the championship, they'll re- really reconsider um, the coaching staff. Do you think that that should be the same, though, for Doc Rivers? Someone who, who had two all-stars on his team, they're a little bit older, Joel and B, but do you think that he should have the same amount of years? Or do you think he, just given what he had came from, in a sense, not being able to make it to a conference final you had two really great Clippers teams. Should he be on a, I guess in a, in a way a shorter, a shorter leash in a sense in regards to his years? Um, I think every organization needs to um, make that decision themselves. You know, what he, what he did at one organization doesn't necessarily mean what he'll do at the next organization. So you have to keep in mind player personnel, I mean, GM owners and things of that nature and what coaches have to work with. Should he have a shorter leash? Possibly. But is it a fair is it fair to compare him to someone else in a different environment? I'm not one hundred percent sure. That's fair. That's fair. We'll see what happens. Uh, I think they're both good coaches. I mean, they obviously have superstars on their teams, but I do think that they're gonna be under a lot of scrutiny, especially Doc Rivers, if he is not able to get to a conference final. Now that he has joined the Eastern Conference, um, I don't think that Tyloo will be under as much scrutiny. But given the fact that the Clippers organization has been wanting to get to not only a conference final but an NBA final, he he has his cut his uh work cut out for him. But for the of the episode topic of the episode, Houston, we have a really big problem. I don't understand what happened. I'm, actually, I didn't know what happened. It's the baseball gods. They're punishing us because of what the Astros did. <laughs> I just don't understand why the whole why the whole city has to suffer. I really don't. Because we didn't do nothing wrong, okay? You know, it's just one team. That was it. But I mean, everybody is suffering. The only team that is not suffering right now is the Houston Dash. They finally won a championship. But then again, they didn't even make the playoffs in their actual season. They didn't make the playoffs. The Dynamo dismissed the playoffs for the sixth time in seven years. The Rockets, I just... Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But the one thing that we do need to discuss at this current moment is life with possibly without George Springer. Now, Shannon, you are the baseball person. I personally don't think George is coming back. But what do you think? Do you think George Springer will be a Houston Astro come next year? No. And the reason why I say that, you kind of put, you kind of put it into perspective, actually. Houston has a really big underlying problem that 
they can't seem to fix. And I'm talking in regards to like operational wise, like it's just something is just not clicking with our teams for whatever reason. And it's not just on the field. It's like all the scrutiny behind the scenes and all this stuff that's going on just in general. It's a curse. We're cursed. That's all good. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, Find your voodoo doll to whoever got the voodoo doll and go put some sprinkles on it or something. Get us back right. Because some some ain't right in water just for everybody. And with that being said, no, he's not staying because he smells what's in the water. (sighs) It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. I don't think so either. I, 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 and I, and I, the reason why I say that is because he really didn't say anything in regards during the scandal. You know, Carlos Curia took the, you know, took the lead in that mainly because he was over there banging all some trash cans. The ex GM of the, of the Astros, uh, I think his name is Jeff. He is now suing the Astros, um, basically saying that he was the scapegoat. And here's the thing, people. I said this. A couple a couple episodes ago about Bill O'Brien and the emotions of making decisions as a GM. This goes back to the owner of the Astros. Because in my personal opinion, I would not have fired AJ Hinch or the GM because I feel as though they were already punished enough. You're gonna you lose them for an entire year. What is the point of you going as you quote? I'm going beyond what the MLB has stated. It doesn't make any sense. Granted, if you were going to fire somebody, yes, you would fire AJ Hinch because there's no way you can sit there and tell me that your player is over here banging on some trash cans and you're not going to be like, well, what is that about? You know, like, <laughs> you're on a trash can. Yeah, that's just normal. Um, right. Y'all know that song? No. The, from Doug. Y'all don't remember that? I didn't watch that. Banging Doug. on a trash can. Wait, you didn't watch Doug? You gotta remember how old I am compared to you guys. First and foremost, you're not that much older than us. Second of all, Doug is a classic. Football head, Doug? No, that's Hey Arnold. Yes, that's Hey Arnold. Who is Doug? Doug, the black, black slashed, uh, green green friend. He's green. (laughs) It was black. No. The Patty Mayonnaise. You don't remember (gasps) Pat? Wow. Gonna, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I will say that I think a lot of this is going back towards the owner. He made a decision, but it was an emotional one. It wasn't a rational, a rash one. Now you're facing the consequences of that. So you could lose George Springer. Now you're facing a possible lawsuit. Um, you don't know if you're going to have this manager and <laughs> return. You don't know who your manager may be if that p- person doesn't return. So they're in like this crap show. So I, I don't think life without George Springer is going to be very well for the, for the Astros. Granted, there's always a newcomer coming up, but I think that record of making it to four American League was a champion series, championship series. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that will happen next year. I mean, George Springer. He wasn't the end all be all. That's what I was about to say. He, yeah. he, he would be a great loss for the organization. But if you're talking about if they can, if they can keep brand, they can bring in. Nope. They ain't give him a call final. They are still in talks and you just never know. And even if you lose him, if you can get, um, what is his name? Is it Alvarez from last year? 
who didn't play but two games this year. Um, oh, Jordan Alvarez. So you have options. Yes. If you, you have options, you just have to find that one piece that can come in and, and pick up the slack. I mean, this year you had players who didn't even have good seasons. You know, Bregman didn't have a good season. Um, Altuve didn't – he had a um, – he was okay in the playoffs, but defensively, you know, he had some issues. So, and their young pitching staff came in and performed really well. So, yes, losing somebody like George Springer will be huge, but that doesn't mean they can't bring somebody in and replace him. Uh, you just need somebody to be able to hit well and somebody but, to pitch in the outfield. But here's the thing, though, with that. I feel as if right now, the Astros, just just based off of what they've been doing this this year, the Astros are playing a game of checkers instead of chess. Mm. I feel like they're trying to put a Band-Aid on their situations instead of looking at it as, hey, I need to look at this in a long run. So even if they were to bring in somebody to replace Springer, it's just, I don't think that, again, I am no professional in in that part of the industry, so I don't know exactly what goes on behind the scenes, but it just seems you're making rash decisions just to fix something right then, right there, versus taking a hit and looking forward a few years in the future I mean, kind of thing. I mean, you... you- it was all we already knew even in 2017 that it was going to be difficult to keep this team together because right. they're playing so well they're going to demand a high uh payday and when it came time for it so they should have been preparing for this in the from the get go from then it right. was that was like all they talked about in the off season can they keep this team together chances were they were not going to be able to do so because all their contracts technically come up at the same time. And mm-hmm. then you if you can't pay four guys max dollar amount of money and, and then be able to get uh, key pieces where you need to. So you're going to have to lose a player. Would you rather lose Springer? Would you rather lose Altuve, Carrera, Bregman? Who are you going to lose in that? scenario so you have to lose one and it's smart for him to to out of the qualifying offer because if he knows he can get money better money somewhere else or even more money with the astros why would i why would i take an offer and i know i can get more money um does it sucks for us as astros fans yeah it does but you know it, it happens all the time. There's no way we're going to be able to keep all those players and be able to pay them what they deserve. But what about, I, I can't name names, but what about there's been times where these top athletes have foregone the max payout to, you know, keep the team together or to be able to bring in other players and stuff like Why do you think is that not the case here? I mean, would you say COVID? Mm-hmm. I also think, I also, I think part of that is, you know, the organization is dealing with the outcome and the consequences of 2017. And so if things were, if 2017, as far as the scandal didn't happen and they were, they still competed and everything. But if you, 
don't have that scandal, you more than likely may see someone willing to take a pay cut. But he, they won a championship. What what else do oh, I need good. to prove? You know what I mean? It's not Which, like, like said, it's not like ahead. we're chasing that 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 elusive championship, and we we want to stick together. Not saying that they don't want to stick together. They very well may want to stick together. But we have our championship, and to move on from this scandal, we're going to have to lose from that era. Which again brings up my point of playing the long game versus just trying to put band aids on things. But but how is keeping him and paying him putting? No, I'm not even talking about Springer at this point. I'm talking about just all these other decisions, the firings, and and just trying to just being all over the place with everything. I think I think there's more to it than I think they I think when it comes to the GM and the coach, uh, the manager, you have to again. Maybe they did overreact. Maybe they did. We don't know. Um, as far as the GM goes, possibly. Um, we just have to see how this lawsuit um, pans out. But you have to also, it's one of those things like, I'd rather us slap ourselves on the wrist than the league slap us on the wrist. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, maybe it was a knee-jerk reaction or a decision, but maybe it was one that was necessary to keep more down keep us from having more downfall or consequences we have no clue what the league said hey you need to do this or do that or we're going to do this yeah you know what i mean so there could be other circumstances that we're not privy to to make where you know it's just one of those things like you know ncaa you know we're investigating and instead of waiting on the ncaa bring down the punishment the institution brings the, uh, their own punishment, and sometimes it's worse than what it necessarily needs to be. But uh, you rather make that decision than somebody else make that decision for you. Of course, I can see that. Well, we'll see what happens. Moving on to the next, the next uh, Houston team that is in shambles, the Houston Rockets. I feel so bad for Raphael Stone. He is the new GM of the Houston Rockets as Daryl Morey has left. And for Stephen Silas, Russell Westbrook stated a couple of days ago that he would like to leave Houston. He demanded. He demanded he wanted to leave. And then this also became a chain reaction, as you heard from PJ Tucker, how he is unhappy with his situation with his contract. And also Eric Gordon in regards to his playing time and just involvement within the offense in general. And Daniel House also has some issues in regards to his playing time and then his effectiveness in regards to the offense. What I am hearing here is a lot of people just basically saying they didn't like the offense. Duh. Like, I mean, <laughs> we could have told you that. But I, I guess I guess my question is, and, and, and here's the thing that kind of I think made people shocked about Russell, but also a little irritated by it, is because there were some rumors that Russell did. Russell and James did not want uh, Jeff Van Gundy as the coach. Now, if, if you're in your head, you're you're toying with this point of like I may want to leave this organization. Why would you even make a suggestion in regards to what coach should be a part of this this coaching staff in a sense, or who should be our head coach? If you in your mind kind of was already on the fence if you were going to stay or not, or or maybe maybe the decision for the coach. Or maybe there's been some changes in the organization that he's not comfortable with. Well, there has been some rumors that there is no certainty in regards to the direction. And I said this before in another episode, 
the direction of the Houston Rockets is unknown. Nobody knows what direction they want to go in. And this was before the hiring of the coach. Uh, Steven Silas, he's very praised around the league. They say he's a very intelligent man. He knows a lot about offense. His staff is, is being uh, created in regards to a lot of veterans from Jeff uh, Hornacek to Nate McMillan. And so he, they're adding pieces to help him because he is a fairly new coach. But from a fan standpoint, when you get a young coach like that, it does feel as though you're starting over. Mainly because when you have veteran players, you want like a, a an established coach in a sense. And so because your your goal is to win a championship. So when you have, even though they've been in the league before, they haven't been a head coach. This is literally their first season. It, it does make you wonder, okay, what direction are you guys going? And then on top of that, it doesn't help that you have a owner who, even though he has not said it, he does not want to go over luxury tax. He doesn't really want to bring anybody super expensive in. Because his whole statement was, well, I don't see the point of blowing the team up. That's not a like, oh, I'm just ignorant to basketball to me. To me, that's a you don't want to blow the team up because you don't want to have to bring in more people that you have to pay because you are you yourself are already losing money due to COVID. You want to avoid that luxury tax as much as possible. Oh, I mean, he's he, he, he does, but I don't know how he's going to avoid it when the luxury tax is capped at 100 million and your two superstars are, are taking 82 million of that. So he, you know, you, <laughs> there's no way around it. Um, PJ Tucker and Daniel and House and Eric Gordon, they're already over there. With, with Gordon, James, and Russell, they're over that cap. So, and you're going to have to blow the team up to stay under the cap and not play the luxury tax. So I, just, I don't know what they're going to do in regards to that. Um, maybe, maybe Russell's decision has, um, is coming out of that. Who knows? I don't know. I know I, I've read that both, uh, Russell and James had, uh, input on the coaching hire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do, uh, I do understand your point. So, well, you know, if he may, if he had a thought or an inclination that he wasn't going to stay with the team, why did he, you know, put his input in? And you can still put your input in on on a boss that you think may be good for the organization. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to stick around. I can, you know, I can put input on a supervisor coming into my area that I think is going to be good for the organization. But that doesn't mean I want to stick around because of the history and, the you know, in, insight that I might have. You know, I might see myself in a better environment or a better situation to, to do whatever my goal is. So maybe he had a thought. and. All of a sudden, it changed, but it does seem to have come out of left field. So I'm kind of interested in to what what drove him there because just the other day, two days ago, they were like, you know, they seem everything is okay, and then the next day, it's like he's demanding a trade. Like what? So I don't know. And right now, they're saying that the Charlotte Hornets are yes. uh, going to be. So I'm looking at. I thought the roster. Pelicans. Did they say the Pelicans too? Possibly, but I'm looking at both their rosters. Who we gonna get? We ain't getting Zion. And I'm looking at Charlotte's uh, roster right now. So that is definitely a full-on draft pick in the sense. Um, I mean, well, we have Nicholas Batum, maybe Miles Bridges, but 
who are you going to trade Russell Westbrook for to get the pieces that you need? I mean, maybe maybe they're going to pull a Texans. Uh... <laughs> Let's not do that. We're going to talk about them in that just a second. That was not nice. We ain't going to pull a Texans. Just get rid of him and not get anything back. But, yeah. I mean, sometimes you have to dump a contract, whether you like the person and things of that nature. That That is a lot of money. You're talking about forty over $40 million that if you can dump that and then get two or three three players in for that one. And even though they may not be of Westbrook's caliber, and even if that's one or two, you know, really good draft picks, you have to, you have to do what you have to do as an organization. Cause at the end of the day, we are, you, you, you are a business and you want to make money, but you also want to put the best product out there so you can continue to pull in revenue. Um, but, and sometimes giving rid, getting rid of a person to get two or three people in, is maybe the right decision but uh as far as his demand to trade to be traded i'm quite interested in in the reason why it could be he just don't like houston it's too hot for him you know he is from california <laughs> real quick before we move on to the very last topic what do you think we'll get out of if we do trade russell westbrook what do you think we'll get do you think that we'll get a center do you think we'll get draft picks or do you think we'll just dump the salary I really don't know. <laughs> um, it'd be nice if they can get a, a, a center out of this. And even if it's through a draft pick, you know, uh, and you can draft a, a, a promising a, a center with potential. I think it, it could be a combination of all three. You know, you dump the contract, you get a draft pick, possibly get a center, whether that's through a sign and trade or through the draft. I, I actually like, I always wanted to play have Gordon Hayward play for us. I like him. I think that he's a different type of score and mm-hmm. he can stretch the floor a little bit. He you know, technically he's, he's a small forward. He can kind of be a stretch four in a sense if you want to go small or sometimes like that. So I like him. I think that we should definitely try to get him. Uh, there was a rumor that he may want out of Boston. And uh, I think that if we don't get a, we should definitely spend a draft pick on getting a center. But we need a veteran center as well. And I'm, I'm not talking like Tam- Tyson Chandler. I'm talking about a center that can still get us about 20 points per game, get us good rebounds. And I'm not talking about a let's run up and down and just do dunks type center with like Clint Capella. Even though I like Clint, we need like a hard nose. Need a banger. A banger because once I'm not looking at the season, I never do. I look at playoffs all the time. We know how the season's going to go. We know that they're going to be in contention to barring any injuries they're going to be in contention to to be in the playoffs and possibly you know go to the second third round and all that stuff like that so from a playoff standpoint who's going to rebound who, who can defend i'm looking at who who's coming back right now you got you got the the warriors they have what is this a number two number three pick somewhere around there so you know they're about to get a future star i'm looking at all that stuff looking at Portland, I'm looking at what the what the Spurs may do. If you're going to trade Russell Westbrook and the only thing that you can get is draft picks, but if you have the opportunity to trade him, get draft picks, and possibly that second person that you may need out of the three people that you actually do need if you can keep James, then I would try to do that as well. That's just my opinion. But the future at this moment is fire for the Rockets. It's fire. It's, it's, it's not bright. It's not smooth sailing. It's not breezy. It's just full-on hot fire. 
they're establishing their cultural fit. That's what they're doing. Ooh, nice segue into cultural fit. Thank you. Thank you. Nice segue. As Shannon said, this is a great segue to talk about cultural fit. For those of you who do not know, Amy Palsik, the vice president of communications, well, I'm sorry, former vice president of communications for the Houston Texans, was fired about a week ago. And one of the reasons why she was fired was because she no longer was a cultural fit for the organization. That is what Jamie Roots, the president of the Texans, said when he was discussing her firing. He also said that he was the person that actually hired her. And unfortunately, when you're at the top, you have to make decisions that affect people that you care about. How do you guys feel about this particular topic? And what do you guys think is cultural fit? Well, a general cultural fit statement to me would mean the culture of the organization in the likes of where a, I don't know, a serious organization, everything is serious. We do meetings, everything's by the book kind of thing versus uh, another culture of another organization could be lackadaisical. As long as everybody does their job, it doesn't matter what time they come in, water, cooler, banter, that kind of stuff. Uh, So to me, that's what cultural fit is. And with that definition, um, I'm curious to know how she, after six, seven years, is no longer a part of that culture uh, after all the awards that she's won and, you know, the other accolades that she has done with the Texans organization. I'm just curious to know what specifically that means. In 2007, her team actually won a Roselle Award for Best Staff. That is a very good question. Tiffany, what is your thoughts? Well, I mean, I agree with Shannon as far as, you know, my idea of cultural fit. It's really, you know, the culture that any organization is striving for is one that everybody, even though may have different ideas on how to get to a solution or how to solve a problem or how to complete a task, but it's a really good working environment. Generally, even if you are, there are disagreements, you're able to work through those disagreements, but you're able to all just come together and um, accomplish the task at hand. Um, and you just enjoy coming to work. And so that's what I think of, think of when I think of cultural fit, just a place that I want to come to work and, you know, and I enjoy working with my colleagues. Again, I may not agree with everything that they do and they may not agree with how I do things, but we still enjoy working with one another and um, we know what we're there for. And as Shannon said, it's like, what is the cultural fit that they are looking for? And I find it interesting that in the middle of a season, you're changing, you know, personnel to fit a culture that you would think is already in place and things are changing. You have a new head coach or interim head coach and personnel has changed from the previous year. But for me, if it's kind of hard for me to understand why they made the decision now. I feel like unless she has done something that's egregious, if you're a change, you know, unless she's done something egregious, why make that change now? I uh, feel like that's just one of those decisions that, you know, off season decision you make, say we're going to, we're trying to go into a different direction and this is what we're doing. I, I will say this though, when you were saying that it made me think of this, this has become a pretty hot topic just in 
organizations in any industry. Uh, they actually have chief culture officers. I don't know if that's the proper name for them, but it's, it's becoming a big deal to really establish a culture. And so maybe, maybe the Texans were just trying to establish a new culture and she maybe no longer fit into that. But like you said, doing it in the middle of a season, like really what, what was the reason for doing it so swiftly? Or maybe it wasn't swiftly. I don't know. But I don't know. It just seemed weird. The timing and the reasons, they, they just don't really fit. But I can see how going in, in a new direction how they can maybe use that as a reason. I can't see it, but I can understand it, but I don't understand it. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yes. No? Yes. Yes. I've, I've gone through cultural changes at my job. So I do understand, but it's been one of those things where it's an ongoing learning process. Yeah, hey, this, is exactly. a, this is a culture that we are, are and based off of feedback that we've gotten from employees and this is a culture that this is where we're trying to to achieve Mm -hmm. and so these are the steps these are our focal points and these are the things that we need every employee to do to get there Mm -hmm. to be at a culture that we want to be so it wasn't one of those things okay we're going to change it and then if you don't fit it, then you're gone. It's like you're constantly, you know, taking classes and learning and this is, yeah, and you're, you're growing. You, you don't change a culture in a day. You don't change it a month. That's just, that takes years to, to create. And I think one of the things that someone did actually bring up was that Jack Easter, I think his name is Easter Bay or Easter Bay, Esther Bay or something like Easter that. Easter I think, yeah. Um, he's the, the GM, the current GM for the Houston Texans. Like I said before in the episode, he used to be the Kansas City Chiefs chaplain. He was also South Carolina character coach and he worked also with uh, Bill Belichick in with the New England Patriots. I was just reading an article and in the article, it stated that they asked and if he thought that Jack would be in this position that he's in right now. And his response was, Jack's not a personnel person. My thing is, is I understand if you want to do change, I can understand change. I can understand maybe going a different direction in regards to how you want to promote your team, even though she's done an amazing job when it comes to public relations. But to use that particular term, I think that they're opening themselves up, opening a lot of organizations up to things that they don't really necessarily want. Because like you guys have kind of stated, cultural fit can be perceived by people differently. And so to use that particular term, cultural fit, it makes you wonder what exactly is the cultural fit? You're just the interim GM at this current moment. So are you trying to change, show, you know, show um, Cal McNair that you're going to change the culture of the Texans by firing your PR person in the middle of the season? Like it just, it doesn't make any sense. You, you have, Tiffany has said it before, it's a losing team. You need all the, all the, all the, the good PR, all the <laughs> PR you can get right now because it's not a great team. And this is someone that was respected by a lot of the, the players. And then you just fire her and say that's a cultural fit. And everyone, I mean, this wasn't like a thing where, oh, yeah, I've heard that term before. Or, yeah, the owners used that term before. Everyone across the sports industry was like, what the heck is that? There was people online, ESPN, Fox Sports, Yahoo Sports. They're like, what the heck is that? 
what does that mean? What does cultural fit mean? So for you to fire somebody and say that now you're putting in the minds of other people, oh, I can just use that term. And now you're going to open up yourself to a lawsuit, which is basically what's probably going to come considering that she just hired herself a lawyer. Right. Because cultural fit is is subjective unless yeah. you have it written down. This is what cultural fit and this is how it's defined for our organization. How can you how can you keep documentation on cultural fit? Texas is a, you know, at will state, but at the same time, you still need a valid reason. You should have a valid reason for letting someone go, especially if they're doing their job and doing it well. And that's um, what it seems like. It seems like there was no valid reason, except that you want it change. And if you, and if that was the case, you could have easily just said that. Right. Like right. why put in cultural fit? So there's either something that isn't being told Mm -hmm. or you really have like a particular culture. And one of those cultures, which is what a lot of her colleagues were saying, was that because of a couple of posts that she made about Kamala Harris, basically saying how great this was for her to be a vice president and how it's going to inspire young women and all this stuff like that. I'm sorry. That is a Democrat issue. I don't see that. I don't see that no. strictly because that would be the dumbest, absolute dumbest thing that could possibly happen. And they would end up losing out on a lot of money in lawsuits be- if that was the reason. So I don't think that that was the reason because I know they're not that dumb. I'm sorry to say that, but they can't be that dumb. Like well, what, it just what, what, can't what, be. I mean, you know what they, it could have been a lack astral but they had something else on her so they use cultural fit as the reason and then they're gonna come up with some excuse i mean i don't know i mean you you do open yourself up to lawsuits if that is really the if that is the reason that's just asinine and and just ignorant um (laughs) but you you know, it's one of those things like, okay, you work for an organization and they've been, you've been doing a lot of little things wrong. And then you just do this one thing and it's like, okay, it's the last straw. We can't necessarily fire you for this offense, but we can fire you for that other stuff that, that you've done. Mm-hmm. So we'll just kind of write up something to say, oh, well, you know, you've been doing this and you've been messing up and you, you know, you haven't corrected yourself and all of this, whatever. It happens. I think that would have came out. You had so many people basically in shock saying they didn't understand people who have been treated like crap by somebody they have no problem be like hold up right let me tell you about your friend for nothing like that to come out it it doesn't make any sense no I, I I agree and I don't think that's the case if you're smart you're gonna cover yourself that way now I, I don't agree with I don't agree that that's what happened in this situation i just I think everybody thumb ain't clean in the water is i think the common conclusion that we can come to some ain't clean and some's gonna come out we're gonna figure out what culturally fit means for the texans or just a general statement of what that means if we are incorrect in our definitions I think that's all anybody wants. They really want to know what exactly did they mean by that. So we can make sure not to, you know, not culturally fit in into our own organizations. Right. Especially at a time where women are making headway into the industry, the sport industry, the way we are right now. Mm -hmm. And to, and, you know, I've, I've said this before, 
it's the year of the woman. It's like the decade mm-hmm. of the woman. We're coming, you know what I mean? Uh, assistant coaching positions and, you know, scouting positions and general manager positions and things of that nature in male and predominantly male industries, sporting industries. And then you go and come and say, she doesn't fit the culture. That's kind of mind boggling, I guess. Just because of how weird it was that this occurred, it takes me back to when I was watching a show, uh, I was watching Steve Harvey's show and a guy asked for Steve, Steve for help in regards to a job. Steve asked the guy, well, what did you do before? He's like, well, I used to do this, but my heart wasn't in it and I really want to do this. And Steve was like, well, that's just God's way of pushing you. He said, sometimes we know that it's time for us to leave. We know it's time for us to move, but yet we allow fear to affect us. We don't want to jump. And God just kind of pushes you over in a sense (laughs) and makes you jump. So that's basically what I see what's happening with Amy. It was just time for her to leave. And maybe she didn't realize that, or maybe she did. And she just didn't want to maybe take that leap, but God pretty much made that leap for her. Mm-hmm. So it happens all the time. <laughs> it happens all the time. It happens. All, and when you least expect it too. So you're, and you know, that's the positive way of looking at that Nisha. I think that's a good way to look at it and, you know, try to, you know, be from that perspective based off it, the things that I've read in Twitter. A lot of people have her back. I don't think she'll be, be out of a job very long and you're right. Maybe it, there's a better position even if it's the same title it may be a better position you know I kind of I did that lateral move and I understand even though it's a lateral move you still may be in a better organization um, um and you may be in more enjoyable organization there may, may be more opportunities in that organization that you didn't have in the previous organization so you're absolutely right even if it's a lateral move and she gets another position as a vp communications she may you know it may be for a better organization more money more responsibility all of that a she better cultural this. fit <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. how i keep doing it yes she did say this on twitter on what was arguably the most humiliating day of my life, people showed up, my friends, colleagues, total strangers. PR can often be a thankless job. We live behind the scenes, lifting others up. A great reminder that being a good person matters in the long run. Thank you. I mean, she's not she's not wrong. Eventually, nope. the good will always outweigh the bad. Indeed. They may say good things happen, bad things happen to good people. But there are a lot of good things that happen to good people, too. If you're ever in her position or if you're currently in, in her position, just keep being you. Be respectful. And whatever. whenever it's time to jump, you're either going to jump or God's just going to push you. That's how I see it. But yeah, any last words before we leave? Don't play your life as a game of checkers. Always work it as if it's a game of chess. Always be thinking in the long run of the long term. And just keep going. You'll always win in the end. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. (laughs) Y'all are weird. (laughs) Yeah, so thank you guys so much for joining me for this episode. I hope that you guys enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed talking about it. All I have to say is that we have no idea what's going to happen in this upcoming week. James Harden may actually no longer be a Houston Rocket. He may have dribbled himself right out 
of town people. Oh, I like that. I like that. that. I like that. That was a good one. I mean, or he may have stepped back out of town. I don't know. Like, it's just (laughs) one of those things. Lewis said that too. He's like, he could have stepped back out of town. I I don't know what's going to happen. All I'm going to say is that I hope from a Houston standpoint that this city gets its stuff together because I remember what it was like to have owners that cared. And I remember what it was like for a city to be behind all of their teams. This city loves sports, even though technically we are a large market, but we're treated like a medium market in many ways. I don't know why people don't like to come here. You don't pay extra taxes. We know it's hot, but hey, you're a millionaire. So you get AC, you got good AC, you know, that central air, you know? And you, you could be further away from the heat. You could be like in the woodlands or something. I don't think you get that hot up there. <laughs> We're a good city. We're very patient, as you can see. From a fan, how the past was and knowing what this city is capable of, I do hope that all of these owners get their, get their stuff together because you don't want to lose a really good fan base. And we don't want to become the Clevelands of the sports industry or the supersonics of the sports industry in this sense and lose our teams. Also, don't forget on November 17th, we all know that the Houston Dynamo is going to release a new logo and some new rebranding. Yeah, look forward to that. If you don't already follow the Houston Dynamo. Until next time, have a great day. And I will see you next time on another episode of Not A Status Quo Podcast. Peace out. Bye. Bring back the Houston comments. Holla. Bye.